spirit that we're looking at today is patience. Um, so let's go ahead and get started and uh, pray and ask the Lord for his help. So we'll do the same thing we did last week. I'll ask you guys to pray for yourselves and then pray for me and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. So let's pray. Um, please take a moment to ask the Lord to prepare your heart for interacting with his word and for the spirit to work in your heart life. Please take a moment to pray for me and ask the Lord to help me to use me. I'll be right back, okay? Thank you. Dear Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to meet with your people, uh, to interact with your word, to meditate on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, but I just pray as we think about these things that would so work in our hearts that we would have a deeper love of the Lord Jesus, that we'd have a deeper appreciation for your gospel, um, and that you would continue to work in our hearts and our minds that we would become more Christ-like, um, that these fruits would be cultivated even more in our hearts and our minds, and specifically, Lord, that we would be uh, people who are characterized by patience. Um, we love you so much. I ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' name. Okay, so, basic structure of the day is where we're going. If you are taking notes, uh, here's your outline. And if you're just listening to me uh, mentally, uh, you can, this is your mental framework for you to hang my comments on track of where I'm going. So, uh, first we're going to define patience, and then we're going to examine patience in the life of Christ, and then third we're going to do some collective reflecting on patience in our lives um, so, one, finding patience, two, examining patience in the life of Christ, and three, reflecting on patience in the life of the Christian. So let's get started with defining patience. So we're going to do the same thing we did last week. I'm going to give you two to three minutes, because I got some feedback that I didn't give you guys quite enough time last week to uh, write down your definition of patience. So if you have a pen and paper, um, you can write down a pen and paper if you just have like a phone or device one put it in your nose, that's fine. Um, but we're giving you two to three minutes, give your best definition of patience, get your mind engaged, um, wake up a little bit on a Sunday morning, and then I'm going to ask uh, some of you to offer your definitions and see what we might say. So, a little person comes up and says, Uncle Noah, what's patience? What are you going to say?
one minute.
don't use that word enough, impetuous. Number four, steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. A couple of authors, uh, Jerry Bridges wrote, patience is the ability to suffer a long time under the mistreatment of others without growing resentful or bitter. I think that quote alone deserves some meditation. I was really convicted of that, but how often we're provoked by others, and that's our first heart's uh, impulse to be resentful, to be bitter, to hold a little grudge um, of, you know, I'm gonna tell somebody about that or just hold on to that in my heart. It can happen so quickly. And then J.F. Packard wrote, uh, defined patience as the Christian response to all that is maddening. All that is maddening. So there's two basic um, senses in which we can talk about patience um, that we see in the New Testament. One is the ability to endure trials and difficulties. And two is the attitude and disposition towards others. So let's move to the second part. We're going to examine patience in the life of Christ. Um, So looking at that first sense of enduring trials, would somebody please read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 for me, please? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Thank you. So when we think about Christ's life and the things that he went through, um, one of the things that we should note is that he was not excused from any of the pains and the trials that we ourselves have gone through. He didn't suffer a different type of trial than us, a different type of pain, a different type of shame. He felt and went through all the things that we ourselves went through. He was really tempted. He really endured shame and ridicule in front of crowds. Um, he really endured hostility from others. He was tortured. Um, he experienced betrayal by two close friends in a moment of need, um, endured a real death. He endured all of those things, and yet he displayed perfect patience in the midst of those things. Um, he endured for the joy set before him. And uh, Stephen Charnock has this great quote about patience that we, I think connects to the example that Christ has for us. He writes, In regard of God, patience is a submission to his sovereignty. To endure a trial simply because we cannot avoid it or resist it is not Christian patience. But to humbly submit because it is the will of God to inflict the trial to be silent because the sovereignty of God orders it is true godly patience. And that's the attitude that we clearly see in Jesus, that submission to the will of the Father, um, the Isaiah 53, that he goes um, like a lamb to be slaughtered, um, and yet he um, is quiet, and you see this resting in the, in the Father's will. You see this orientation to um, the plan of God and not to the comforts of the moment, not 
to um, avoid pain. And you also don't just see him get through those things um, because it's unavoidable. But we see uh, an orientation towards God and a resting in God's plan and a touching his humanity, a resting in the promises of God, the joy that was set before him on the other side of the cross after truly dying. Um, he, there's a certain amount of belief, humanly speaking, that is required there. Um, and so his, his example is instructive for us in that. The second sense uh, is patience towards others. So when we think about Jesus' patience towards others, um, there's nobody that is, would be, it would be more appropriate for someone to be impatient with the weaknesses of others than Jesus. There's no one, you know, our impatience with others is laced with a certain kind of hypocrisy. Isn't it? If I'm impatient with a certain weakness or failing of my brother, I have probably already done that thing. And so there's a certain amount of hypocrisy. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is the only holy human being. He himself is the judge of all the earth. He has a right to condemn the wrong actions of others. He has a right uh, to condemn the weaknesses of others as the judge of all the earth. And yet, he displays this immense patient uh, nature with them, this uh, graciousness with them and all of their failings. Um, so would somebody read Luke 9, 51 through 56, please? Take a look at that together. <clears throat> and when the uh, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans, to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. What verse was that? Uh, that was 56. Okay. Um, so... In this example, we have a offense that's offered to Jesus, um, and the disciples are ready to defend Jesus' honor um, and respond probably in a way that we probably would say, let's call down thunder and lightning from heaven. Has this ever happened to anybody before? Wow. Um, and yet, Jesus displays a patience that isn't warranted, that isn't earned. I'm trying to be patient with the stand. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, he displays patience, right? Instead of indicting them, condemning them, executing judgment on the spot, which was in his power to do, he displays a graciousness, an overlooking of an offense, and a patience. So, another example, um, thinking about just how his life is characterized by incredible busyness, right? From dawn till dusk, he's teaching and walking and interacting with people and healing. Um, and there's immense demands on him, emotionally and spiritually and physically. And you can think of so many different episodes where, of inconvenience where um, I think particularly that example where he's walking through the crowd and the lady just grabs him and he feels the power come through him um, to her and heals her. And how if you were somebody who was going from here to there and working and doing all this stuff and somebody just grabs you out of nowhere, that would 
be provoking, potentially. Um, and yet he deals very graciously with her. Um, the episode where uh, Jesus goes to the other side of the lake after feeding the crowds uh, to get some alone time. And they just happen to follow him on the other side and say, oh, what are you doing here? Can you give us some more bread? And yet Jesus is very gracious then to teach them about the bread of life. Um, think about all the times where disciples just don't get it. They just um, don't aren't grasping what he's teaching, and yet he graciously explains things to them over and over and over again. And so um, I forget which one of the, the authors, which one of the books we're using, who, said, who mentioned that for him, being a pastor and being really busy, there's so many times where there's uh, an ask of him, like at the end of the day, for him to like go out to somebody's house or go to the hospital or something late at night and how he has that moment of, I don't want to do this. I would rather, I've worked really, really hard. I've done such and such and such. I don't want to go out now and do this thing. And Jesus had even more busyness. He had even more demands, even more pressures, and yet he displays a, a perfect patience and graciousness with the weaknesses and the needs of others. And then, of course, Jesus is still patient with us, isn't he? He still he displays his perfect patience with us, as Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1, that um, even now, with our weaknesses, and with our feelings, and with our sins, he still deals patiently and graciously with us. So, let's do some reflecting together. Um, we're going to do some thinking about patience in the life of the believer. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, There's nothing which so certifies the genuineness of a man's faith as his patience and his patient endurance, his keeping on steadily in spite of everything. So, uh, could one person please read James 1, 1 through 4? And can I have another person read 1 Peter 1, 18 through 23? Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. I think I gave you the wrong reference. I will find that. Um, but right now, let's have everybody get in the groups of three to five people. And you're going to answer those two questions together. So you can move chairs if necessary. Three to five. Yeah. Or patients. 
there's some some you don't have to give specifics in the large group if you don't, but just general general categories that you would describe. I love how I get you in the group of three to five. Chitter, 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 and then it's like the large group, and it's just crickets. Lots of good answers. I heard them. <laughs> Talk about workplace environments okay. that yep. are unchanging. Yep. Super relatable. Parenting. Okay. Parenting? Yes. Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, the one just generally, I would say probably relationships, you know, like broken relationships or strained relationships, maybe. Mm -hmm. Place for a lot of people and face trials. Mm -hmm. Mark said something earlier that I thought was really a good point. Parenting can just always be a trial. Always. Say chronic Chronic illnesses. Illness, yeah. illness can, but chronic illness really can tend to wear. And yes. Yeah. Mentally and emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. For sure. I think one is in my mind is a workplace thing, but it's it's a workplace that professes Christ but doesn't represent Him well, and so that's a weird dynamic for me. It's very very hard. So how would you guys describe yourself? Would you, after thinking about that, about kind of how you define patience and seeing Jesus being patient, would you say that you're a patient person? The way I put it to our group was, I used to think I was a patient person. <laughs> and then I realized I just, at the time, was good at masking my impatience. What are some of the things that you've noticed? Like, how were you masking it before? What are like the things that you recognize are now actually impatience? Well, I mean, just sitting on the outside calm or, and grumbling inside or complaining inside or just waiting until I'm with someone safe to talk about or complain about or grumble about it. Yeah. It's, it's that it's just because you're on the surface calm or patient or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're actually being patient. What rest of you saints? Have to figure it out? Noah and I were talking about how in certain circumstances sometimes it oscillates. There are some days or weeks where I feel like I'm much more reminded or feel much more convicted by taking joy in my trials and going into my workplace or wherever I'm going with a much more joyful attitude and that enables me to have more patience. Then other times, other weeks, I can fall into this self-pity and frustration and anger and maybe be patient on the outside or appear patient, but on the inside, grumbling and complaining and wanting to tell people what I really think. Discussed, we have a tendency to feel like things should go well, mm -hmm. and that's really the opposite of how things usually go. Yeah. So, if we fix our 
orientation, like things are going to go badly. But you don't want to be a pessimist. It's, We're going to touch on this later, so I don't want to say too much, but there, you'll, have, you'll have the opportunity to think a little bit about like the messaging that our society gives us. You know, We certainly get that messaging from our culture, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, one other thing, I've, it makes sense that nobody would mention it um, in this setting, but temptations or habitual sins, yeah. you know, spiritual limps and weaknesses that people have from the trials, you know. Um, you know, people, some people are just, who uh, use that expression, but it's really useful that some people just constantly walk with like a spiritual limp their whole life, you know, they're prone to depression um, or anxiety, and that's just like a reoccurring thing that comes back. And that can be particularly great because you think, gosh, am I really a Christian? Does she just really love me? Is the spirit doing anything? Is he maturing me at all, right? And that, that can be um, a trial that people experience as well. I did want to read that passage, I gave you the wrong chapter. I'm sorry. It's 1 Peter 2, 18 to 23. Yeah. Um, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, but was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Okay, so let's talk about that second sense of being patient. What about being patient with others? So looking at Matthew 18, if you guys want to put there, I'm going to have a couple of people read. Let's see. Let's do. I have one person read verse, let's go 21 through 27. Can somebody read 21 through 27? Just raise your hand if you want to do that. Okay, Mark will do that. And then Jenna, do you want to read 28 through 35? Okay, let's do that. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Uh, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees and imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. But when that same servant went out, 
he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him, and began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went, and put him in prison until he, sh until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, so going to your, your small groups again, um, think about these two questions. If someone objectively on the outside, they were to examine your life, they would take an audit of your life, what would they describe you as being? Would you be patient or impatient with others? Um, and this includes, think about like heart postures like Marcus Hawkins said ago. And then how does remembering and believing the gospel connect to our being patient with others? And go. Yeah. 
you know, please work in me and doing those things with his help and, and walking to me with him. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, just a quick anecdote, too. I've experienced a lot of impatience this week because I had I was preparing this on top of everything else. And it's just one of the funny things about teaching where it's like, this is on the brain, and then all these scenarios happen. You're like, I'm a really impatient person. And Wednesday night, I was like, I'm going to go work out. I'm just going to do my, my such and such class, and I'm going to go right home and write. And of course, that's the night that somebody decides that they want to spill their whole life story out to me as I'm walking out the door, duffel bag on the shoulder, shoes change up. Because like, I'm walking out the door saying bye, tell me their whole childhood story, and then like seven scientific articles they've been reading on like such and such chemical process. And the whole time you're like, can you please shut up? I got to go write a Sunday school lesson about patience. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's just working on it. So um, next round of questions. Uh, patience in the culture. So this is what we alluded to a little bit earlier. Um, thinking a little bit together about how our culture views patience and which ways do they esteem or despise it. Because I think there's a lot of mixed messaging out there. Um, and then thinking a little bit about Christian patience and how it's different than the world's patience. So let you go. A lot of ways it's, not in every way, but in a lot of ways it is despised in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be out there getting what's yours because someone's hurt you, um, especially with some of the cancel culture and things that go on on, on both sides. Yeah. 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 So, well, honestly, our culture is a very become me focused culture. And when you're focused on me, what need to do of being patient with others? But, but I think, like, I work in a corporate setting, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, let's try and deal with problems in a mature way or something like that, slogans. Um, and and uh, they don't want people really rocking the boat overall or anything like that. And it's kind of a grin and bear it. They put a lot of people just kind of either grin and bear it, or we'll work through it um, to a certain extent, but it's it's always we can just get back to doing what we're supposed to do, which is fair at one level. Fair business. Do you think our culture values patience at all, or none at all? In others? Be <laughs> patient with me. Yeah. I think our culture really admires certain stories of other people's patience. Yes. I think something there. When, like, there's certain miraculous stories of someone who's gone through a tremendous trial of yes. some kind, whether a physical trial or an emotional trial. Like, you watch all of the like America's Got Talent or American Idol, and it's the people who have like the sad story as a background that almost always go through, and they're the ones that they focus on the most, because it's like that, that moves us, that impacts us, that this person endured this thing and had patience and that kind of thing. But it's very, very rarely ever within oneself, or like, I want to be like that. Or it's like, I can say that I want to be like that, but I don't really mean that I want to be like that. I think I see a lot of despising it um, um, and just the idea. I, I saw this video um, the other day of the street preacher. And he was talking about how he's he's has is friends with sinners. You know, he's he's friends with people who have done these bad things, and you have these people who are telling 
yelling and screaming at him that he's a terrible person for being friend, you know, you know, like, like you should not, you should basically the cancel culture of like, how dare you, you know, be friends with somebody who is sexist, you know, how dare you, like, not only not is not not saying that he is himself, but he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I want to, you know, share the gospel with these people, you know, um, but now it's just like, you know, you you. And all the gossip that you know you hear, and all, all the things people are just, you know, not patient. All they just want to kill that person socially and every every aspect before they even know if it's true or not. That, sorry, that, that reminds me of something I I read where they were talking about tolerant tolerance, and you can apply this to the left and right, but it's specifically being applied to the left in this situation. They're like, well, we tolerate people who are. LGBTQ or this or that or whatsoever. It's like, so what do you think is wrong with them? Well, they don't think anything's wrong with them. Well, then they're not actually tolerating them. And I think that's kind of how we view patients a lot of the time when it comes to people. We, we tolerate people because we actually like them. Um, if we don't agree with them, if we don't like them, then we're not going to tolerate them, which isn't really tolerance, which isn't really patience. I think everybody's going to be able to think of a ton of ways in which our culture is impatient. So I will keep moving. Um, how? Give me one or two answers on how is Christian patience distinct from the world's patience? One thing going off of them is just saying it's kind of like uh, we were talking about with love and like self-sacrificial love, whereas like the by definition, like fundamentally, it means. Like self-sacrificial love, right, means you have to self-sacrifice, which is different than the way the world views it. And with patience, it's the same thing. Like, to be patient means that you have to, there has to be, like, obstacles or things that are inconvenient to the flesh that we have to bear with. Or, like, long-suffering with others. Often, there's, like, almost this prerequisite in the way that that interacts in the life of believers who are so sinful is, you know, often that there's sin. And injustice committed against one another, um, and so like, like Ben was saying, like patience is like the way the world views it is. Often it's like we're patient, we tolerate certain people, but we don't actually really think there's anything wrong, or we're we're okay being patient with people we like. But then when it comes to people we don't want to be patient with, or that coworker who we don't like and we don't want to be patient with, then we have very little patience, right? But we can be patient with the people we like and enjoy being around. Um, versus, you know, like the biblical view doesn't differentiate between the person who's easy to be patient with and the person who's not. Um, because God didn't differentiate between, like, I'll, I'll long suffer with this person and not this person. You know, this person, this, you know, Josh gets, I'll long suffer with Josh, but I won't long suffer with Damon. You know, like, so... I don't know. Like, I don't know. like the orientation of like self versus being selfless. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. The culture says we get to play God and decide who to be patient with, and God says, no, I decide who comes into your life, and you have to be patient with. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing that that is that distinguishes it is that like for for the world, it's it's a very man-exalting thing. I mean, like, thinking of some of the stuff that Jenna was talking about, where people will see somebody who goes through suffering, yeah. and, uh, you know, and they endure that trial. Um, the world looks at that, and they they exalt the person who went through it as they have great strength. Uh, whereas, from a Christian perspective, the way we at least should view it is 
that God is perfecting his people through the suffering we're going through. And so this redounds to the glory of God. There's, there's nothing special about us. There's nothing inherently good about the suffering. It's, it's something that God is using so God is glorified rather than the way that the world looks at it where it's they glorify the person who has the strength to endure the suffering. Okay, so last thing, guys, we're just spending two minutes on this. That sucks, but I like this question a lot. Uh, what is the difference between being patient in the midst of circumstances and being apathetic? Or some specific signs? And I'm just going to read these all off and we'll kind of tackle them together. How would you counsel a friend who suggests they're being patient, but you see they need to take action? What are some signs that someone is being impatient versus working hard underneath the sovereignty of God? Prayer. Sorry. Are you praying? Okay. If it's a matter of, like, has God revealed his will about this in Scripture? You know, if there's too impatient, like, oh, I'm just going to wait until God tells me, you know, what to do about this moral situation, but mm -hmm. God has already given the answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there is the question of, abuse and things like that to where um, if there is something where you have the, the and this is that's a, it's a very complicated question the situation but if you do have the power and ability to stop someone from abusing someone and you're kind of putting it off because you want to be patient with that person a lot of times that can be more of a you just don't want to rock the boat kind of thing mm -hmm. and that's a very hard situation mm -hmm. but you can kind of translate that to that different things mm -hmm. well I think going to the first part of the question a lot of it is comes down to uh, I mean it's easy to have a case sirrah sirrah attitude of whatever's going to happen is going to happen rather than investing yourself in it but still being patient there, there are some Christians who would heartily uh, affirm the sovereignty of God, but then what they express is basically a, a form of fatalism, right? And just like it's just it's the sovereignty of God, but I have no control, I have no agency, so I just kind of like surrender to life, take no action, and whatever happens happens, right? For sure. So a couple quick things, and then I'll just pray. I think, like Daniel said, trying to make decisions in the light of Scripture, examining those things in the light of Scripture, um, under, trying to gain wisdom to discern your circumstances and your own heart from Scripture, bathing everything in prayer. Uh, and then third, I think one of the things I've seen is just community, being around people who can point those things out to you. you know, sometimes you're in a certain situation where you just go, there's nothing I can do about it, just says what it is, and they, somebody else can come along and say, well, have you thought about doing this thing, and why don't you step out and do this thing? And in other situations where you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm like, oh, did you pray yet? Oh, you know, this. I'm seeing this in your heart. And so having those the, that uh, group of counselors around you is protective and, and guards our hearts. So uh, last thing, I'm just going to end up praying for us again. Thank you. Let's have good answers. Okay, last thing. Um, thinking about the 
mediator that we have in Christ Jesus and his patient heart towards you. If you know 1 Timothy 1, again, I'll leave you with this quote by Thomas Goodwin. Um, there is comfort concerning such infirmities and that your very sins move him to pity more than anger. The greater the misery is, the more is the, the pity when the party is beloved. Now of all miseries, sin is the greatest. And Christ, loving your persons and hating only the sin, his hatred shall all fall, and that only upon the sin, to free you of it by its ruin and destruction. But his affections shall be the more drawn out to you. Therefore, fear not. So as you work through these things, you work through all of our imperfections, all of our failings, and these fruits of the Spirit, be reminded that Christ bore all these fruits of the Spirit perfectly, um, that he secured your standing with the Father through his perfect righteousness and his atoning death, and that his heart for you is patient and it is gentle, and that he is here to work these things in you so that you will increase in fruit. Um, and as you work through these things, go to him directly. Work through these things with him because this is his heart for you. So let's close in prayer and I'll let you guys um, do things in between service. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this group of people. I thank you for their hearts, um, the work that you're doing in their hearts to um, love you, and to worship you to read your word, Lord, and um, love other people and just hearing their answers, the wisdom that you've given them, um, the heart for your truth that you've given them, Lord. Lord, I just pray for them uh, this week as they think about uh, patience and these other fruits of spirits that we have discussed so far, Lord, and, and wrestle with the ways that we still need to grow. Lord, I pray um, that you would remind them of your gospel. Um, what you have done for them, your disposition towards them, and how you're working these things in them. I uh, pray, Holy Spirit, for your help. Would you convict us of sin? Help us to have eyes to see um, spots and places in our lives where we need to change, we need to grow. Um, and give us the power, Lord, to change. Um, do it by your Spirit and for your glory. Um, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.